Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 27. I'm Adam Chance, and with me always is Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich. Hey, good evening. This is Roy from West Michigan, and it is spring here. I've been working outside with in a t-shirt, so that's been pretty awesome. <laughs> Shoveling snow in a t-shirt? No, there's just the, you know those, those gross, dirty piles you know, around in uh, parking lots and things now. Oh, so. okay. So you do still have snow on the ground there, though? Well, just in just in piles where the snow plows have pushed it up into, you know, yeah. little little hillocks. Hopefully, we're done with that nonsense for the year here. Yeah, we've got pollen no. down here in the south. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I've been sniffling and sneezing for weeks now, but anyway, so so I guess we'll start off with what we. Oh wait, let's see. Hold on, some housekeeping. We do have a sponsorship. I forget, because this is the second time we've done this, and um, yeah, I'm not used to this. Through Alter Dementia, hopefully I said that right, and you'll see this link in the show notes. It's Alter 3 Dementia. Uh, it is a 3D printing website uh, where he ha- I know he's uh, got some dungeon tiles and stuff like that, and he just got this, like, um fat dragon thing in that i want if you could if you look over there on the actual page that you'll see in the show notes the uh the turtles <laughs> the teenage uh medieval ninja turtles <laughs> is what it looks like to me <laughs> but they look really cool and i saw where uh somebody on twitter had painted up a bunch of them and i'm like oh, okay i dig that and he also does puzzle lock the dungeon and the caves and he also has this uh starter set for a game that we will preview later in the show. But anyway, should you want to go over there and see something you like and get it printed out, the discount code is COG2019 for what I am led to believe is 20% off. So, there you go. And so, hey, Richard, I wanted to add yes, that go ahead. Uh, Ultra Dementia is going to be at the Tulip City Comic Con, which I think is going to be in the end of April uh, in Holland, Michigan. So, he'll have a booth there. Uh, along with another vendor. That's so cool. you can catch him there, too. Uh, that reminds me, I think at, at the end of May, I'm looking at going to Milwaukee for uh, a work thing, so I'll like, be in the area. If anybody is listening and is from Milwaukee, I'd love to like know like where to go and what to see and whatnot. So, anyway. There's a, there's a place in Milwaukee called the Safe House. Which is a, uh, a apparently it's legendary when the days when uh, Gen Con was there. It's a bar that has uh, it's like a uh, you have to know the secret code to get into the into the bar, and uh, apparently it's an experience to be to go there. Really? Okay. We'll yeah. Look that up. The safe house. All right. And I see um, the Tulip City Comics and Toy Fair is April twenty eighth. Uh, at the Double Tree in Holland, Michigan. Okay. If there's a web page, I'll try to link it in the show notes. 
Okay. All right. Richard, what have you been playing lately? So a uh, friend of my friend and I um, have been going through advanced squad leader starter kits. Um, we started with starter kit one and we literally just played every single scenario. We made it all the way through starter kit one and we started on starter kit two now. Um, if you don't know anything about uh, ASL advanced squad leader, it's a, it's a, I don't know what, I don't know what I would say. It's a heavy game. It's a, it's a complex tactical game with lots and lots of rules, but the starter kit pairs that down, cuts out, um, a lot of the rules and makes it a lot easier to jump into. Um, so we're doing that. Uh, Starter Kit 1 just has infantry and support weapons. Starter Kit 2 introduces the big guns, like the anti-tank guns and stuff like that. Um, and the first scenario in Starter Kit 2 uh, actually didn't it didn't introduce any new guns or anything, but it, it did introduce hills, which is uh, a slight complication because it changes line of sight and everything. But um, it was a pretty fun scenario. I played the Italians and he played, I think he played Americans, yeah. Um, but the Italians, uh, no offense to any Italian listeners, but in ASL often have very low morale and very low what's called ELR, um, which basically means that when you fail your morale checks, not only do you fail and break, but you know, there's a good chance that you're going to go down in, in quality as well. So it was pretty brutal for my guys because pretty much any time they got shot, they panicked and it was terrible. Um, but all I had to do was have one guy left within this certain radius and I had one guy left in that radius at the end and I, I won the game even though all of my guys were completely destroyed. So uh, ASL Starter Kit 2, we're going to keep working our way through that. Um, we've been trying to to do every scenario but i think we may actually skip a couple the next one kind of looks a little boring so we're not sure we're going to do it we might skip straight ahead to where we get some of the some of the big guns in play which is the whole point of blank starter kit too so that's advanced squad so, leader starter kit two yeah now you said that there's anti-tank weapons in there uh -huh. that, that are introduced there right but yep. there's not tanks not in Starter Kit 2. Those don't get introduced to Starter Kit 3, but it turns out that big explosive shells can actually be used against infantry as well. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. that's, a, that's a good question, though. There actually are rules. There's something called the infantry fire equivalent, which basically says you've got this big gun. It shoots this big shell. Here's what it is equivalent to a bunch of guys shooting machine guns at you. So it's got an, an equivalency where you can roll on the table against infantry because there's a whole separate system for uh, rolling against any sort of armored fighting vehicles. Uh, you basically, you have to, you have to know which direction you hit them from and how thick their armor is there and, and all of that. So. All right. Yeah. And then I also played rising sun. Have you guys played this one before? Wait, that this sounds familiar. A... It's a, it's a cool mini game. So, I mean, that tells you something about it right away. Um, you know, it's going to be dudes on a map. It's going to have really nice looking minis. Um, I played a game a few weeks ago, and I think I talked about it in here called Blood Rage, which is a, a Viking cool mini game where you have to go on and, you know, you get in fights and you fight over land and everything. And at first glance, Rising Sun really looked to me like uh, like Blood Rage, except the Japanese version. And it is kind of that. Um, but Rising Sun, I liked a whole lot better than Blood Rage. Um, it's it's got, you know, it's it's uh, it's not a historical game by any means because you're summoning monsters and everything. But um, you are playing basically on a map of Japan divided into uh, maybe eight territories or so. Um, and depending on the number of players, we played with three. You fight over a different number of territory, uh, different 
territories each turn. It's always going to be the same number based on your player count. So with three players, there are five territories. And each time, you don't know until the beginning of the turn which five those are going to be. So uh, you have to move your forces around based on what comes up and you know develop a strategy. You're not going to get all five, so maybe you want to try to get two really well whatever um but i really liked it a lot that the game was a lot of fun like i said i liked it a lot more than blood rage um there were some interesting mechanics uh there's a what they call an honor mechanic where basically the player with the highest honor gets to break ties in his favor um and what's interesting is the honor isn't a number it's just a seeding so you know you get seated one two three and if you go up in honor you just immediately replace the person above you and if you go up twice in honor, you know, with a three-player game, you go immediately to the top. So there's a lot of flexibility and, and movement there in the honor system. And then there's a lot of abilities that are actually better if you're the lowest honor. So there's reasons to be high honor and reasons to be low honor. Um, probably on the balance, it's best to be high honor just because breaking ties is a, is a really nice thing to have in a lot of different situations. But there are definitely times when having low honor gets you uh, more powerful abilities as well. So kind of like going to the dark side. So I really enjoyed that game. I definitely want to play that one again. That was Rising okay. Sun. Kind of similar to Starship Samurai. You know, I've seen Starship Samurai, but I've never played it. So I can't re okay. really make a comparison. Um, it seems like, like I said, somebody had said that, that it was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay. Like it, like I said, it's it's very much like. I mean, on the surface, it's very much like Blood Rage, and they are both cool mini or not games, which, uh, not necessarily a bad thing. But with a cool mini or not game, you pretty much know what you're getting. They all have a lot of similarities. Um, great looking minis, though gameplay is is somewhat similar in my experience. Um, but they're different enough that I like this one a lot better than Blood Rage. It was a really big Kickstarter, if I remember. And, it was, yeah. And also, my friend Chris dumped his Kickstarter of it at Board Game GeekCon. <laughs> Sold yeah. it there. So. <laughs> yeah, I heard of a number of people selling the Kickstarter, which usually that that happens for one of two reasons. Either the game is sold out everywhere and people just want to make a buck, or they're disappointed in what came out. Um, I don't know what the case was here. I haven't I haven't heard bad things about this game. It's not one that I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, this was just terrible. So it's probably just because when it first came out on Kickstarter, there were a lot of exclusives and things that I don't know if you could get them now. I know there's lots of expansions to it, but I, I don't know the situation on whether they're available now or not. Yeah, uh, it is funny to me. Uh, I've noticed locally and this is, you know, you're in the deep south of Mississippi a couple of formerly large Kickstarter games from like years ago have like made their way to like, uh, was it like uh, Ross or Tuesday morning? You know, one of those companies that, you know, just buys up leftover stock from places. Really? And it's, and it's pretty cheap. That gummit. One of them, it was like, uh, I'm almost positive it was one of the first cool mini or not Kickstarters. Um,. The Battle for Alabaster or whatever. whatever I don't think I've was. even heard of that one. Uh, that's the subtitle of it. Yeah, I don't know how long Simon's been around. I I, I know they, they kind of came onto my radar in the uh, last two or three years. It was Sedition Wars, Battle of Alabaster. Okay. And um, that was... Well, I wanted to look at it, but their uh, thing is closed for renovations. Oh, wait, here's the Kickstarter. From 2014. 
okay. from 2014. It was a $951,000 uh, Kickstarter. It's like uh, the campaign was to get like just the box. It was uh, 80 bucks plus shipping. And they said like the MSRP on it would be... Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's $80 plus $25. Oh, no, sorry. Ships free in the USA, 25 for international shipping. So it was, they said MSRP was 89 But yeah, we found it locally at some um, discount places for, I think, like $13. So, yeah. It's always, it's always funny to me. Like, you know, because I mean, that's where it is. That's, you know, that's where it ends. And I've read a lot of good articles lately, lately that talked about the problem with board games is they take up so much space. And people buy a ton of them, so you're buying a lot of them, and then you're pushing a lot of them out the door. And they end up, like, uh, if you're lucky for other people, they end up in a thrift store or something where somebody can get it cheaper. Or you can try to sell it on the secondary market if it has value, but, you know, it's just taking up a lot of space. Yeah, I can see that. My collection is starting to take up too much space, but I'm not... I'm not quite ready to start dumping stuff yet, so. I know. Just buy a storage unit. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> a second house. Anyway, sorry. Or uh, you could I open a lodge in central Missouri. Yeah, exactly. And let and let other people pay me to play my games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I played some more Gloomhaven. Um, spoilers for anyone that is uh, playing through it, but we finally got to play against some oozes, which I have heard about, but... Uh, the oozes are, are super annoying to fight against because they, they just keep splitting and and multiplying, and eventually you end up with an entire room full of them, and it's hard to cut your way through the swath. But uh, the other thing to do is every time they split, they actually lose health. So we I did not think we were going to win this at all. We miraculously pulled it out at the very end, but basically we were able to do enough damage to them and just kind of wait them out so that... Uh, they eventually split themselves to death and killed themselves. I we can't really take credit for it, but we did win the scenario. So we played some Gloomhaven, and then finally I got to play Next War India Pakistan. We talked about this last time. Uh, we had the game designer over to STL Wargamers to to teach us how to play it, um, and we had a lot of fun. We had I think twelve guys there. Uh, three we set up three different games and just sort of played in teams we had uh, an 11 year old boy there playing next door india pakistan with us which was awesome um and now i've got it on my table playing solitaire because i just i really like the system it's it's a lot of fun it's got um i play probably more world war ii games than anything and mitch has done a good job of making the modern war feel very different than a world war ii game or a vietnam game or anything like that so it's just um you know it's more about communication and fast troop movement and you're trying to look for your enemy's headquarters and take them out with missile strikes and it's it's very much like that rather than just sticking two lines of infantry against each other and going at it so um I've got Next War India-Pakistan, and I also have Next War Poland, which has naval rules also, which India-Pakistan doesn't have. So I've got India-Pakistan on my table right now. I'm going to play through a few of those scenarios before I start getting into Next War Poland. I actually had a chance to buy uh, that uh, Next War um, Pakistan-India for 35 bucks. Nice. I don't know if that would be a good deal or not. I passed on it regardless. A friend of mine was selling it. but Yeah, that's definitely a good price for that. That one, I don't know, that's probably a $60 game or so. Okay. Yeah. 
but yeah, I want Next War Poland. If it was Next War Poland, I would immediately jumped on it because I mean that's that's the one I was cool with. Anyway. Yeah, Next War Poland is the the most recent one to have come out. They're getting ready to reprint Next War Korea, and then Next War Vietnam will be out sometime in the near future as well. We have Roy and all for Ger- Germania Magna. It, this what? sounds crunchier than it actually is. So this is a little card game. Uh, have either of you guys played the game Smash Up? I yeah, I played it once or twice. I have not. Okay. So this is um, the the mechanics like this are very much like of uh, Germania Magna are very much like Smash Up, uh, in that you have the Roman legions come in, and that kind of forms the the uh, the opponent that all the players are going to go in and and try to attack. And so gameplay goes around until people pass. And so you lay down, uh, each card that you have represents a unit or a um, maybe a hero or something that you put down to oppose the Romans. And then at the end of, after after it's passed, then there's a test that happens to see if, basically who prevails. Is it the, the, uh, the, um, the barbarians or is it the Romans? And so it goes through a number of rounds, and each round you draw another you draw a different leader. So each leader has a different uh, little special ability. And um, you just play around and you gather points based on how many of the Roman legions that you've conquered. Uh, so, yeah, Germania Magna is a little little card game that's kind of a more serious version of Smash Up. So all the players play Germans and the Romans are like the common enemy? Yeah. Okay. So you lay out two or three... Uh, of various uh, districts that you're going to attack, essentially. So, and the the artwork is pretty nice in it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, was, I love the artwork on it. The cover looks very cool. Yeah. So, and uh, this is all stuff I played last weekend when I went to the uh, 36 Hours of Gaming at Hope College. Um, so. Yeah, I played that, and then I played uh, Photosynthesis as the game with trees. And it's kind of relaxing where you, you grow trees, um, you know, as high as you can get them. And so the the board is in concentric rings. So if you plant a tree on the outside, which is where you start, you um, once it gets to its highest uh, height, then you can harvest it for points. And you draw a token off the stack based on the ring of what part of the forest that you're in. So each turn, the sun moves one tick. It moves eight spaces. And I believe it goes around three times. And each time, if you're not shadowed, then you get some sun points that you can use to, um, you know, buy some seedlings or make a, uh, you know, grow a tree out of, a, out of some seeds or make it a little bit bigger. Or, and then eventually... Once it gets to its highest thing, then you can harvest it. Um, so it's it's uh, n- nice artwork again. The figures are nice, and uh, it's it's kind of relaxing. I thought of, I thought about picking this one up as a family game. Uh, how easy yeah. is it to to learn? It's yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's um, yeah, it's it's uh, tough to. Um, I think it would be a little frustrating for the younger set. Oh, okay. To do well at it. Because you got to think about not only where, you know, where's the sun going to be 
next turn and you know and I need to place this tree or maybe I need to grow this one so it's high enough that it'll catch a little bit of sun um, so there's there's a little bit of you got to think ahead as far as you know what's this going to do for me in the future so you you weigh that against like if you have the tallest tree do I keep it there and get the points for it or do I harvest it I'm sorry, do I keep it there and get the sun points for it so that I can buy and mature other trees, or do I harvest it for victory points? So there's there's some planning that has to go go into it for, you know, where you want to be on a later turn. Now, is this the the game that has, like, the uh, the 3D trees on it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. And they come yeah, in I've three different it. heights. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? I've just I've seen it. It, it it's very striking looking on the table. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, that's photosynthesis. And then I played a <laughs> I played a game called The Bloody Inn, which is set in Paris, and you run an inn. All the players have um, various. There's there's one inn and there's like eight hotel rooms, and the uh, the you draw guests off the deck to. Uh, populate your your inn, and on your turn you can either kill a guest, you can bribe a guest, or you can bury a guest. Um, so wait, can you bury you can, a guest you before you kill him? him? What's that? Can you bury him before you kill him, or do you have to kill oh, him no. first? No. <laughs> um, so to if you're going to um, bury somebody, you have to have an, a building to bury them under. Uh, so, like, some of the cards are police cards, and if they go into the inn and they finish the night with them there, um, they will come looking and asking questions about any dead people that are around. So you have to um, very strategically get rid of the evidence after you've killed these people and robbed them. And so there's there's various suits. There's the, uh, you kill a clergyman, there's... Uh, certain things that you can do with them. You kill an intellectual and uh, or the policeman. And so, like, if you bribe a policeman, he will help you kill people. <laughs> and the, and it's, the, the artwork is, is uh, it's all in this kind of weird, creepy um, uh, watercolors. And it's, it's a little it's a little macabre, for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I was noticing the it. artwork. Yeah. So. Was it fun? Yeah. Yeah, I'd play that again. How long does it take to play uh, a game? Um, well, I don't, it says thirty to sixty minutes, so that's probably about right, I guess. Um. So anyway, I played that one, and then I played, uh, I played a game of Clue, because my daughter, my young daughter, loves Clue, <laughs> and so. We played a group with a group of five, I think, and the you know the clues were going around and and um, I had it nailed down and my wife had it nailed down to the kitchen and the candlestick and then it came around to the girl that was sitting next to me and somebody she showed me the kitchen and I I looked at her and I said really. So she it had come around to her once before, 
and she had brain farted or something <laughs> and kind of messed it all up because she had us all thinking that it was the kitchen when it was in fact some other room. So, you know, if you're going to play clue with kids, you got to make sure that they're on their toes and they're not maybe lying or just forgetting. <laughs> and I'm not suggesting this kid was, was lying. I just think they just kind of forgot. What? Come so. on, Roy. Call her out. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> Katie, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> Let's see. So then I played a game called Covalence, which I found kind of annoying. Um, so there's the you have the collar that has draws a card and it has an organic chemical on there, and the other people are given um, various molecules that are based on cardboard discs, and you put them together into an arrangement, um, and then you show the person who has the the card, and then they look at it. And they throw out some cards that may hint at what it's supposed to be. Um, so, I mean, it's sort of about about chemistry, but it's really more of about just trying to insinuate things through cards. So I did not care for this game. Um, yeah, I... I think I have this game, but we haven't played it. Um, this is a whole series of games. It's actually by a local St. Louis guy. Um, and there's a game called Ion. I think we have this one and Ion. And I know we've played Ion. And it was fun. I mean, it wasn't amazing or anything. It was just sort of a deck builder. Um, but, you know, a little bit of science education thrown in there. I haven't played this one, so. This uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of Mastermind. Oh, Okay. As essentially, the, the, the person has a code that they're trying to impart to you through cards. But the, what the, the cards that they're drawing are random, so they have to look at them and just kind of do the best they can with, to make them uh, make sense to the, to the other people. So it's a deduction game, I guess, like okay. clue. Well, I'll have to break this one out and let you know if I agree with you or not. Okay. <laughs> so... And then I have I have a rebuttal to your your cool mini or not uh, assertion about cool figures and everything because I played a game called Railroad Inc. Yeah, it has no figures to it. Really, it has dice. So okay. I guess that's that's the not in cool mini or not. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so each turn, uh, somebody rolls. Uh, I believe it's four or five dice, and there's symbols there that show a a collection of roads and and uh, train tracks and you draw them on your board with a dry erase marker and so you're trying to make it all kind of connect together um, in a way that makes some semblance of sense and then once uh, it's gone around a number of times then um, I believe it placed your seven rounds then you, you tally up uh, so like well, I had this many errors. I had I went off the board in the spot where I wasn't supposed to go off the board, or uh, I had a road connecting to a train track or, or something like that. Uh, so this is a, a fun little game. Um, it's been, been kind of in the realm of what you would call a cafe game, Richard. Yeah, I was just thinking so, that 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 looks like a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. So it's it's kind of rail building, sort of. Yeah, there was a really old computer game. This 
I mean, I'm talking probably 20 or at least 20 years old. I probably played it on Windows 95 and it was called, I think it was called Pipes or something like that. But it kind of, you had to just build a path and the water was coming through. You played a plumber plumber or something like that. And this kind of looks like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a, uh, we have a card game that's like that. I believe it's called Waterworks. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, my parents loved that game in the 80s. It's been around for a long time. I like the look of this one. This looks like a lot of fun. This It looks like this would be a great great filler game or, you know, mm-hmm. small footprint. You can, if you're you're waiting for something, you could break it out and play it real quick. I like the look of this. And so um, there's it comes in red and blue, and the, the bases are the same between the red and the blue, but there's expansions that go with it too. So each one has three either red or blue dice that do something a little bit different, which we did not play with. So I don't know, really know what they do. So. And these are like dry erase boards that you just reuse. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. And then what else did I play? New frontiers. So have, have either of you played uh, race for the galaxy? I have, I have played it on an iPad. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the same universe per se okay so this is kind of a convoluted thing we have a we have um puerto rico and then we have san juan which is a card game that's based on right puerto rico right and then i believe i'm sorry what we're just following you yeah we were agreeing <laughs> oh okay <laughs> okay so um then from san juan somebody came up with a game that is a sci-fi version of San Juan and that takes us to Race for the Galaxy so then after Race for the Galaxy there's a bunch of other little card games too I believe and then there's Rule for the Galaxy this game is played with dice and then finally New Frontiers is we've gone full circle now and come back to a game that's kind of like Puerto Rico Uh, so we played this through and when I, I happened to see a, an ad for it, and I thought, well, that looks kind of cool because I like Race for the Galaxy. I like Roll for the Galaxy. So I probably like this, which I did sort of because there's, I guess in my opinion, if you have both of the first games, Race and Roll, New Frontiers doesn't break enough frontiers to, to be worth getting. But if you if you don't have either one of those, it might be worth for it for you to have. Um, but it, again, I'm a sucker for artwork, and this has so, a very consistent. Uh, oh yes. So you see, this as a replacement for Race or Roll to the Galaxy. What about uh, Puerto Rico? What does it play more like? Um, I think it plays more like like Race for the Galaxy. Actually. Oh okay okay. Because um, like it, Puerto Rico has the part where you fill up the ships to, to export, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, again, it's it's a role selection game, um, like every one of the game like that. And you, if you explore, then you draw a plan, you, you draw seven, or you draw the number of players plus one um, planets out of the board. And then everybody picks one, but you pick first. And then once everything has gone, ar- gone around, you can pick again of whatever's left. So the, the person that picks explored takes two planets and it goes into their tableau for them to explore and settle and then start getting the resources for it off of them. Um, 
you're also getting you know developments to enhance the points that you get when you trade or whatever. So I mean, it's, it, the concepts are all very similar. It's very accessible if you've played any of the other games. So that's uh, New Frontiers, which I believe is a relatively new game. Yeah, let's see here. And finally, well, not finally, uh, Feast for Odin, which is a Uwe Rosenberg, who with the, that's uh, Agricola, right? Yeah, Agricola, Caverna. Okay, uh, so, he's, uh, he's got a bunch of these kind of games. I think, uh, what, Cottage Garden, I think is his. And yeah, he's got some others. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a Viking game where you are uh, exploring essentially the North Sea. So you start out on your own little you know, portion of the world, and then you can send a long ship out to go and take over uh, Baffin Island or uh, various places in the North Sea, and you can expand there too. Uh, and so you gather food, and then you can convert that food into furs or into uh, wool or various other things. So you use these little tiles that come out of the box to cover up your board. Uh, and so if you can, as you expand on the board, then you can cover up some of the minus one tiles so that you're not getting hosed with with uh, fewer points. But you build the tiles up and make them bigger and maybe get some victory points for them. And uh, so that was an interesting game. And it, but the uh, the learning curve to it seemed kind of steep. I'm glad that I had somebody who had played it before to show it to me. So. Yeah, I've I've never heard anyone say anything bad about this game. It it looks good, but I already have Caverna, and all those games just sort of seem too similar to for me. That I mean, if I if I were to get this, I'd probably sell Caverna because I don't I don't know that you need both of them. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same same dilemma that I was seeing with with New Frontiers. Yeah. Yeah. So Feast for Odin has the notion, has the part of it that it's uh, there's kind of a Tetrisy part to it too, because all the tiles are different shapes, and so like if you go and uh, go on a raid, you can get like like King George's crown or whatever, and that's a weird shaped thing that you can put on your board. Uh, so there's there's kind of a Tetris element to it too. Yeah, kind of like Patchwork, which is another one of his games. Oh, yep. I think I've played that one. Uh, so then I played uh, Champions, Champions of Midgard just the other night, and uh, this is a worker placement game, also Viking-themed, uh, where you go out and fight the Berserkers or fight the Troll or um, fight various monsters from from that uh, mythos. And so... Um, your warriors are dice that you roll. And it's like, so if you like to go out and go after a berserker, he will kill one of yours and he'll die in two hits. So your die that gets killed, you swap that out for a, a token, which says, okay, this is the soul of this Valkyrie or whatever. And then you can take those, those little chits and trade them in for cards, which will give you victory points. Um, so there's there's a lot going on in this game, and there's a, I believe the version I played of it has a lot of expansions added to it. Um, so 
it's I kind of like it. I've never done well at it, but I kind of like it. It's a it's a worker placement. So that's uh, Champions of Midgard. How many players did you play that one with? Uh, I believe it plays up to four. I think. Uh, I'm not for sure about that. A lot of the games, like I know with Blood Rage, when I played it, we played with two players, and I could tell just at that time that it was going to be a very different game. So um, Rising Sun, kind of the same. Some of these games at, at two players don't feel anything like they do at four players. So it's curious. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so and this is going to take me a little bit. Uh, I did a playtest of The Curse of Mott, which was a given to me by um, uh, Mike at AlteredDementia.com, where if you use the discount code COG2019, you can get 20% off. So check that out. So, anyway, uh, Curse of Mott is from uh, Ill-Gotten Games. So it's uh, a company based in Seattle or near Seattle that um, Mike has uh, has a printing license with and has printed and um, and given me this game to play test. So I want to stress that this is a beta test. And the, I'll, you'll know why when I, as I get into it. So I'm just going to read this because I have this written out here for me. Uh, this is a cooperative game for two to four players control two to four heroes who are rooting the cult of Mott from the kingdom. Play begins with setting up the 14 hex- hexagon terrain tiles in a semi-random fashion. There are nine types of terrain, so there are some duplicates. Then random event markers are placed on face, face down on the tiles. When a hero moves onto a tile, the event triggers. Each terrain has its own entry from one to nine. So... This means having the book at hand to read the entry. Um, hunting through the book is sort of a tedious process. So I'm, I'm going to pause here. Do you guys have any comments or? Uh, no. No. Okay. So the, the book, as it was given to me, uh, I think needs to be printed out a little bit better. Um, and so you have different terrain and different events. And so, like, there's a there's a section of the book that says hill, and it goes one through nine. These are all the things that could happen on a hill based on the on the marker that comes up. Well, it seemed to me that since you have the terrain type and the event, that you could put that into a matrix, like a grid, and you could just cross-reference it all and say, well, okay, here's what happens, um, which would be a better thing to do than what was in the book. So there's um, there's nine random events. It's always going to be the same nine every game, but then those random events are then uh, modified by what terrain they happen to land on? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like a four on the keep means you get thrown in prison. Oh, okay. A, a four on the hill means that you find, you know, a buried treasure or something. So that's it's random in that manner. Okay. Uh, so... Um, so since the events are totally random and triggered when you enter the hex, you can have some events that are almost unwinnable. So I was playing Baymara, the spellcaster, and I moved on to the keep tile, and I was thrown in prison. Uh, well, she's a spellcaster. So I had one die to beat the jailer's three dice to get out of prison. Um, and I, So I spent the, the whole game in prison, and then when the bad guys came to the keep, I was slaughtered and had to bring in another character who, you know, eventually got slaughtered anyway. 
Um, so there's not really any way for another player to help anybody. I mean, I, there, there is a little bit of, of cooperativeness to it because of um, the uh, some of the special characters can, like the archer can shoot uh, hex away and kind of help people out. Um, so, and I noticed that the characters not didn't level in any way that I could find. And so it's essentially you you play to 50 points. So one play, first player to get to 50 points will trigger the end game scenario. So the but the 50 points are just basically just going around doing stuff. And uh, from time to time, there's some boons that you can get, which will give you a little bump. But there's not that many. Uh, so you grind your way to 50 points, and um, then the end game triggers and there's six different end game things that can happen based on just you know just the roll of the die essentially so i did notice that the character cards for one character there's 12 different stats so like there's larceny there's wordplay there's athletics there's melee there's um there's a whole bunch of them it seemed to me that 12 was way too many so it seemed to me that maybe you ought to bump that down to maybe three or four stats. And brains, brains, bronze, sneak, and stamina is kind of what I had kind of noodled out. So, you know, there's there's a potential for something here, um, but it's a beta test. So, um, how are the components? Yeah. Well, so, like I, that's what I was gonna say. The the parts are nice. The the hex tiles, you could use them for some other game, or you could like the grass tiles. Um, if you had, if you could get maybe like a pack of thirty of them, you could lay those out and glue them to a board and paint it all and have a nice, um, you know, grassy terrain to play minis on or something like that. Um, or, you know, you could use them for some kind of maybe like a trading game where you'd trade grain for goats or sheep or ore or <laughs> something like that. Um, so anyway, I when I demoed the game, uh, I had a friend that had some experience with 3D printing components, and he thought the quality was pretty nice. And he looked at the figures, he said, oh, that's resin cast. I said, no, that's 3D printed. And he looked at it a little closer, he said, oh, wow, that's really nice. So um, the quality of the stuff that, that Mike is doing at Alter Dementia is, is top-notch, but the gameplay is not so much. So, I, so I'm, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I understand. Um, we sort of have like some what's on your radar things. Um, sort of. <laughs> I, I guess you guys have seen uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, we went and saw Captain Marvel last night with my. I went took my wife and my daughter and enjoyed it quite a bit. I it have was, not. Not you, Roy. That, nope. You did not enjoy it. I did not see it. Okay, I have not. Is either. Is a ten-year-old so. appropriate? So that's a, that's a good question. I have a nine-year-old, and we decided before we went and saw it to leave her with my mom and not let her go see it. Um, honestly, I I think she would have been fine with it. Um, there's lots of punching and violence and. You know, it's a it's a superhero movie, but there was nothing really offensive or anything. Um, I, I think she would have been fine with it. I, 
you know, every 10 year old is different. Um, but there was, there was nothing bad about it. Did she see Wonder Woman? Uh, no, I, I haven't seen Wonder Woman either. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. There's, um, you know, dealing with World War One, there's a lot of, you know, gas attacks and, and kind yeah. of scary stuff going on there. And so my, uh, we got it on video and my, my 10 year old didn't eventually watch it, but I didn't, I kind of wanted to preview it. Yeah. My, she has seen uh solo. So, you know, she's a big star Wars fan. Um, she has seen all of the star Wars movies except for rogue one. I think she's not quite ready for that one yet. Cause that's definitely more violent and more warlike, but she has seen solo. So I would say mm-hmm. that this is, you know, no, no worse than solo. Okay. But honestly, I mean, she uh, if she saw it, she would definitely appreciate it for what it was. But for the rest of us, honestly, we're just, you know, we wanted to see the last movie that came out before Endgame, which is coming out in a month or so. And that's all what we're super excited about. So between Endgame and Game of Thrones coming out, I'm going to be watching uh, more more movies and TV than I probably watch all year so. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget how I felt at the end of... What was even the last Avengers movie title? What was it called? Um, Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah. yeah. I, I'll i never forget <laughs> just sitting there and just, just being like... "Is I, I was with my friend and I was like, is that is that it? What, I know. What What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy because I saw it... I can't remember why, but I saw it before my wife and daughter saw it. And I, t- I think I may have even seen it on opening day. And then I got home and I couldn't talk to them about it. And it was like, okay, you, well, you've got to go see this movie tomorrow so that we can talk about it. Cause, <laughs> Look, I've got you know, a lot to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I have never seen that. Is that, you said it, does it end kind of just abruptly? So, I mean, no, we're a year into it, it. I guess it's, I guess, spoiler-free zone. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, well, it doesn't end abruptly. It. It, it it ends with the audience getting punched in the stomach is what it ends yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> Okay. I mean, I, I can't tell you, like, the last movie I saw that made me feel that way. Just that, you're right, it's like yeah. a punch in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were kind of expecting something. Or, you know, I think even going in, I knew it was going to be a two-parter. Yeah. But I just wasn't expecting that you know to happen and so yeah yeah so when endgame comes out that is that is a wrap on the mcu well yes and no i mean it's a it's a wrap for this particular set of stories i'm i know uh they just rehired james gunn so there's going to be a guardians of the galaxy 3 um Mm -hmm. and there is another spider-man movie coming out uh, this summer, July 5th, I think. But that one, I think, happens before uh, Endgame. I think, I don't know the exact timing on that one, but I think that one happens before Endgame and Infinity Wars. Um, there, I mean, I'm sure well, I'm sure uh, there's going to be another uh, Captain Marvel movie. Well, yeah, uh, that, I think, what am I trying to say? Uh, I, I will say a lot of the actors' contracts are up and they're done. Yeah. Like, I know, uh, what's-his-name is done playing Captain America. Right, like the main group of the original, this set of Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, um, Thor. Thor, yeah. yeah. He said he's done, too, right. They're, you know. They are yeah. done, but how they continue, I'm not sure. Like um, like I said, I know there's a Guardians of the Galaxy 3, because they just mentioned, they just announced that they rehired James Gunn. Yeah. 
But that's the only it's one just, I know for sure about is Guardians 3. You guys saw uh, Into the Spider-Verse, right? Oh, yeah. 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 That's yeah. in fact, we 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 saw that and then we bought that uh, on Amazon the, the day it came out and watched it all again because it's so good. Fantastic. And uh, do you guys see uh, Aquaman? Nope. I'm not. I, to be honest, I, I'm not a big DC fan. Um, the only DC movies that I've seen were the Dark Knight trilogy of Batman. I haven't seen any okay. Superman, Wonder Woman, anything. Oh, I, uh, Batman versus Superman is okay. Uh, Wonder Woman is good. Uh, Aquaman is, like, super good. It's super fun. It's like DC did a Marvel movie. Yeah. You know. I mean, uh, Jason Mama, Mama, I can never pronounce, I can't pronounce shit. Anyway, anyway, he, he carries that movie like on his back. Like he's carrying the entire DC universe on his back. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, the only thing I've seen him in is Game of Thrones. And I mean, he was fine in that, but obviously he wasn't like blowing anyone away with his acting ability. So you've got, you've got (laughs) to check out Stargate Atlantis. You never seen that either. Oh, yes. The Stargate series is awesome. See, I started with Atlantis. I had to, like, go back and watch SG-1. Yeah, they're, uh, Atlantis is about five seasons, and I think SG-1 is around 10 or 12 seasons. And uh, But, yeah, he's in uh, Stargate Atlantis starting, I think, in season two. And, uh, yeah, he's awesome. He, he's really, really good in it. Daggum, I need to rewatch that when I'm done rewatching Fringe. Anyway, so you're excited about Game of Thrones too coming up? Yeah, absolutely. I've I've been a fan of the books even before the TV show came out. So um, I don't expect to ever see a book from him. So another book from him. So I guess this will be how we find out how it all ends. Is, is that the way it's supposed to happen? Has the TV series gone past the the print books? Oh yeah, the TV series already passed uh, the print books. It, last whole season maybe even a little of the season before i can't remember the exact timing but yeah the books are are way behind the tv series at this point really yep okay um okay that's pretty i did not know that because you know i as huge as it is game of thrones is just not for me it's it's i mean it's it's weird to say this but i'm just gonna be honest it's uh just too violent for me (laughs) You know, as as strange as that sounds, yeah. uh, both in the um, in the books, especially. Yeah, and, uh, and, and it's funny because obviously on TV they show the violence and they they definitely don't shy away from it. But I would say that the books are probably even more violent because the books oh, are, yeah. you know, he he describes he does a good job of showing really the horrors of medieval wars, really, because just the complete disregard for. You know, the, the peasants and the farmers and everyone. And I mean, all those people are just, they have no, no chance, no power, nothing. And they're all just being completely overrun by, by the families that are in power. So. Yeah. To either be used, killed, yep. raped. Absolutely. You know, all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know nah, that, that kind of thing. There's, there's a lot of like infant side and children being murdered yep. and stuff. And yeah. that's kind of like, yeah, I just kind of draw the line there. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's just not for me. Well, it is and bad, so, but. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I'm not criticizing somebody else for wanting to watch, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, killing children is bad. Yes, we will say that. There's a chance of gaming. Oh. We are not pro infanticide. <laughs> yes, we're not. Let's get that on record. But, 
Yeah, just, just write that down. Bold statement. Um, but, you know, if you enjoy Game of Thrones, yeah, yeah that's good. It's, you know, because, like, the dick move is to go, like, well, I don't like this, so I want it off. I don't want anyone Therefore, to watch no it. one can yeah. watch it, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> nah, it's just, it's, it's not for me, so I know that. I read the first book and uh, started reading the second book. I honestly got a little bored with the second book. And um, so, but past that, yeah, I mean, I know it's a huge thing. And I'm really excited because it was so, you know, Game of Thrones has become such a phenomenon that it's going to lead to a Wheel of Time series. And I'm a huge Wheel of Time fan. Yeah. The difference is that when when Robert Jordan died, he let people finish his stories. And uh, George R. R. Martin has already said, if I die, no one is allowed to finish the story. I'm taking it with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is weird because you also get into, uh, you know, that kind of people think they own like the the art or the artist or stuff like that. You know, the guy's getting like death threats. Oh, for, sure. Like uh, for doing like uh, stuff for the what was it? He was writing columns for the NFL or something. It, well, he blogs a lot about the Giants. And he also has another series of books called wild cards that i have never read but anytime he talks about any of those people say hey you know finish the book you know the same thing happens to patrick rothfuss he's got uh the first two books of a trilogy um maze and trilogy um called the king killer series third book gosh i don't know how long it's been it's been years and he's just not finishing it and people are not kind to him about it yeah, see, I've heard that, and that's why I haven't started. Yeah, <laughs> my my kid read the first two. So yeah, and it, and was like, "Where's the third one?" And I, and I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. uh, sorry, it's like a whole thing." Yep, they're so good though. They're so good. I love those books. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, I'll get around to it. But yeah, I've I've been reading The Wheel of Time since I was in junior high, and I'm 43. That <laughs> tells you anything. You know, and see that he was the original George R. R. Martin. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have the internet to bitch about this kind of stuff, but <laughs> he would go years between books. Sometimes, like writing another book from some other series. Now, in front of it, Wheel of Time is twelve books, right? Maybe. How many? I'll check that how many did he write, and how many were written after he died? Was it just one, or was it more? I think they did. Uh, and I'm live googling here um i think i'm, I'm almost positive it was uh two oh, okay were, were the last were the last ones like not counting the little the prequel i think they did there are 14 books oh wow not counting the prequel and the 12th book was completed by brandon sanderson the 13th was completed by uh, Brandon Sanderson, and the 14th, sa- it also says completed by Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> so, I, you know. It's like Tupac. I, I sh- he keeps releasing stuff after he dies. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, that makes sense, you know, because, you know, he was like, well, I have an idea. You know, this is the idea, or this is the plan. I don't know how much he actually wrote or, or whatever. But anyway, yeah, it's I was I loved that thing. Because the first book came out in 1990, and the last book came out in 2013. Wow. So, yeah, that's, what, uh, 23 years to, to write 14 books? <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure, yeah, people, I wonder, I do wonder, do people even care, like, you know, well, they got off on a tangent. On a <laughs> you kind of think, They like, keep hitting that skip 30 second button on us. Aw, because, <laughs> you know, because I kind of think, like, board gamers and stuff like that, well, you know, it's, your part in that Venn diagram of geekdom, you know, you also read books and fantasy, but maybe not, I don't know. Anyway, through this more exciting article on Cool Mini or Not, enters an exclusive North American distribution deal with Asmodee. So, yeah, I just tossed this on here because it's they're forming this huge Voltron of popularity, for sure. But uh, they're getting their stuff out. And also, this really means they're getting their stuff out in stores. So... You know, it kind of makes me, again, question, why would you back their next Kickstarter? You know, because you know, you know, with this deal, it's going to come to your your local gaming store. Yeah, that's an interesting question, because, you know, we talked about, um, we talked about the Root Kickstarter. I can't remember if we talked about it on the show or if you were just tweeting at me, sort of teasing me about it. And I said I wasn't going to do it. And then I went ahead and backed the, the the root expansion on Kickstarter. And ever since I did, I'm not sure if I'm going to. I've got nine days to make my decision. I might back out of it because the Kickstarter for this root expansion is $50. I know I'm going to be able to get that at Miniature Market for 40 So why am I paying 50 to get it on day one? Yeah, that is true. Although I will say like root – has been like my one Kickstarter regret. It was for several months. <laughs> I already had the game out. and the first expansion, though. This is just the second expansion, so. Right, but but that first one, it came out, and then people that Kickstarted it were playing it for a good three, four months. Yeah. And you know now you can get it, and honestly, I'm just kind of waiting on it to go on sale. Uh, I, I really, really am because, yeah, I was honestly shocked uh, at the last uh, either miniature market or, or um, Cool Stuff Inc. sale at the at what they had, you know, on there. I was like, wasn't this like a really, I, dadgummit, I cannot remember what it was. But anyway, but it was like, I can't believe this is here and it's on a discount sale because this was like the hot shit like nine months ago. Yeah, but maybe I'll just keep it, it and I'll, I'll try to sell it. <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. Have you He's seen what Wingspan see- is going for? No. Oh, yeah, People are buying copies of Wingspan for like more than $200. It's insane. That's a $40 game. <laughs> wow. Uh, and that's the thing is it's it's just coming. It, it'll be like next month, I think, yeah. or, or the month <laughs> after. It's, it's going to be reprinted. Yeah. Absolutely. It is happening. But yeah, I got yeah. Well, I mean, if you've got the money that you obtained legally and you're not hurting <laughs> anybody else, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's what you want to spend your money on, go for it. So uh, I will say they announced uh, the Joan of Arc fantasy uh, board game uh, is, is coming to retail. And I danced a fucking jig because I'm in that Facebook group with it. Because I, I saw that like two, three years ago at Gen Con. And was like, this is amazing, awesome, I want this game. It went to Kickstarter, and it was too expensive. You know, it was like, you know, 100 150 bucks. I'm like, that's insane for for what this will be. And people were like, well, it's not coming to uh, retail. <laughs> Your only way to get it is this Kickstarter. It is, it is coming 
to retail with an MSRP of $60. Wow. Is it, am I not getting all the, uh, the Kickstarter extras? Yes. Yes. I know I'm not, but you also paid extra for those, you know, for like the dragon and the terrain and all that stuff that you paid for. They didn't just toss that in for free. You know, it's but it's coming to retail for sixty bucks, which means I'll buy it for forty. And so, you know, there you go. Me one, you zero. So there you go. <laughs> for you uh people out there who did that. But yeah, it was there were a lot of weeping and gnashing at teeth when it came out. Well when they announced Kickstarter, I'm like a Kickstarter that successful, you would be stupid not to put it out at, at retail. It just goes to show you people are interested in it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's what capitalism is. If, if people want it, it will be for sale. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the next thing we had is I'm sure you can get this, uh, through our close, uh, personal friend, Alter dementia. An artist has released 300 printable D and D miniature patterns for free. So if you need a guy to print this up, it's COG 2019. You get 20% off of it over there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not bad. They're not as, I, you know, looking at the samples people have done, they should have got a better person to paint them. But uh, sculpt-wise, they're not bad. They're, uh, they're probably on par with, like, the, uh, the D&D collectible minis, not necessarily the ones that just come in the uh, blisters. But, uh, yeah, you've got 300 figures from uh, Appendix A and NPCs from Appendix B. To There's print a big interposing hand figure. I like the uh, the beholder who appears to be blind. He, <laughs> he, do he doesn't have a pupil there. He doesn't have any pupils. I know. He's, it's a blind beholder. But. So I wonder how, it's gonna, how long it's going to be before everyone has a 3D printer. And you can buy games electronically the same way you buy a game off Steam now. You know, it used to be you would go to, uh, you know, Walmart or Best Buy or whatever and actually buy a box that have Call of Duty 4 in it. And you had to put your CD in and everything. Now you just buy everything electronically. I mean, that's that's going to happen with games eventually. I don't know if it'll be 10 or 20 years away, but I mean, eventually everyone's going to have a 3D printer and you can just buy the game and print it yourself. It'd be just like Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> Hit the buttons on the replicator, and, and here's your copy of size. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I just thought of something. We were talking about games taking up too much space. Holographic games. There uh, you go. You know. That solves both with, problems uh, at the same time. What's the name of the game that uh, that Chewie and R2 play on, on the Falcon? Tajaric. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad... <laughs> I'm glad you said something because I wasn't gonna dare. Yeah, I want to hear. Anything. I want to hear you pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> Dejaric. Yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced. Dejaric? Okay. Yeah. Some Star Wars nerd <laughs> is screaming at is screaming at his uh, iPod. Now. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Hey, look over in Star Trek Discovery. He's got um a uh, 3D chessboard. That's all I know. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, like uh, the old show, right? Yes, yes it is. Right. Yeah, it is. I love that show. It's the entire reason I get out of bed on um, Thursday mornings. That and the Orville. So, where was I, dadgummit? Dude. Ah, yes, yes. 
35 years later, the extremely, <laughs> li- extremely rare, extremely good Dune board game is finally getting a reprint. And uh, I can, I guess they're kind of doing it to tie in with, you know, maybe the new movie or something like that, or ever how the stars aligned and somebody got the license for for this. But this was an insanely popular Dune, uh, insanely popular game. And I've never played it, but I have seen people play it. I've seen it at cons and stuff like that and just, like, walked by and took a picture. You know, because it's like, wow, it's cool. You know, this is cool, it's old, and super expensive. And I want to say, uh, ah, yeah, Rex, Final Days of an Empire. So they just reimagined it. So basically it was reskinned in 2012 for... um, Rex, Final Days of an Empire, which was set in the Twilight Imperium universe. So, okay. and yeah, you could pick it, you could pick that game up like now for about you know forty five dollars new. But uh, yeah, this thing, uh, I mean, it's gone for like two three hundred dollars at least. It just depends on like condition and whatnot. But um, Gale Force Nine is uh, the people that do, like, uh, they've done Firefly, Star Trek Ascendi, uh, Ascendancy, and strangely enough, there's a Sons of Anarchy board game. Um, they're they're going to do this. So it's going to come out, it's going to be awesome, and be better than ever, according Yeah, to it does say it's a revised edition, so I don't know if that means rules or components or what, but it, it sounds like they are actually are tweaking it. I would imagine that there are... You know, um, every game's got some issue with it, you know, uh, especially a game like that that was just a uh, a licensed game. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they have house rules or somebody else has rewritten the rule book over it, but I guess that's what it means is um, it will be tweaked, you know, here or there. So, I don't know. But uh, I'm a big fan of Dune. I'm a big fan of the uh, David Lynch version, too, you know, as weird as it is. I like the books. I've never read any of the other books that, what was it, Kevin J. Anderson and his son did that kind of told, like, all the prequel stuff about the, yep. uh, the machine revolt, the jihad, and, you know, all that. I've never read any of those. I'm almost positive I finished the main series. It it took me a, a while because they honestly get a little weird and each one is a lot different than the the previous one at least in from in my experience in reading them uh, you know when i was a kid i was a little confused but yeah anyway um uh, not sure if i'll pick this up i'm sure my friend chris will and i'll just play his copy yeah oh yeah that's I'm, I'm waiting on... yes Although, uh, I heard somebody made the joke on um, Twitter yesterday. It was like, you know, if you consume enough spice now, you can go ahead and watch the new Dune movie before it's out. <laughs> it's very true, very true. So moving on, uh, there is new X-Wing product, and I bought it. I saw did, that. Did, any, did you, any of you guys buy into the, uh, the new wave? I think this is Wave 3. Yeah. This is um, second edition Wave Three is what finally hit. Yeah, which they they released a few more scum ships. I think like the Z ninety five and maybe a couple others. A few more. I think B wings are out for hyperspace now. But obviously the biggest thing was uh, the Separatists and the what do they call it? The Republic, I guess. Um, 
Which what yeah, did the, Repu- the Republic? What did stuff. you buy? Did you buy separatist stuff? Yes, I did. Okay, so you got like the the vulture fighters and all the cool droid I stuff. Got, I bought one starter and uh, one vulture fighter. Oh, okay. And that set me back. Uh, what was that? That was like uh, sixty minus twenty percent. You know, is about what that was. And the big thing was my my gripe with this wave is uh, Darth Maul's ship, the Sith infiltrator. Uh huh. It's huge. I've seen but I've seen pictures of it. It's not as big as the Millennium Falcon, yet it costs the same. Is it a large base or a medium base? It's I want to I it I guess it has to be large. I figured it was it, yeah. It cost as much as uh, the starter. You know, yeah, thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah, the large base ships are forty, and then the medium base ships I think are thirty, and the small base ships are, well, they're not twenty. They're like I don't depend where you get them, maybe eighteen or so. But yeah. So with that, I mean, damn, I I, I don't know, I don't know what to think because I'm just super annoyed <laughs> because I it the to me the the ship is about a third the size of the or half the size of the millennium falcon and it costs the same at least in you know table real estate but ah that part just annoys me so they're like my friends were like well did you pick that one up and i was like no i'll wait till next pay period yeah (laughs) i guess i'll get it then i haven't seen any Uh, of the new stuff in action but obviously a lot of people are are talking about it and trying to figure out the best list and everything um this I is, know they brought that um that Arc one seventy. Yes, which is which was available in the old ships just as a you know a regular uh, republic, not a republic ship, but a, a rebellion, rebellion ship. Yeah. But yeah, it's republic, and then there is uh, the little yellow Jedi fighter. Yep. And I think and all of got... those pilots are force sensitive. Must be. I think all the sense the pilots for that one are force sensitive, but I might be wrong. Yeah, and then the only other release was the scum. It was the um, was it the headhunter? Yeah, the Z ninety five came out, and yeah, so I thought maybe B wings didn't come out. Maybe they're just hyperspace legal now. They also came out with a new list of new ships that are now hyperspace legal. So that's that's oh, another. Yeah. It's not a release, but it's a it's a release in what FFG is is putting out. I think. I mean, obviously they're. Extended is is going to be all of the ships that are available, including the old stuff with the conversion kits. Hyperspace Legal is just going to be things that have come out in version two, the the black boxes. So obviously they're going to want to get everyone eventually just using hyperspace because they want everyone to buy the new ships. I have no idea what their timeline is well, on not using Extended anymore. Well, uh, hyperspace is also allowed. They plan on controlling the meta of the game right. eventually. Yep. It, there are for you to play in a hyperspace tournament. Only certain ships will be legal. Right. It's it. Which, so that will change up like lists and stuff that people are fielding. Yep. Yeah. And so far, they've done a good now, job of it. I mean, they've they've done a good job with the the second edition rules where um, it's it's not like you you pretty much have to play this. I mean, Y wings. A lot of people are playing like five Y wings, and they're they're really good. But it's not like before really? we, yeah, yeah, people are Y wings and veteran turret gunners and dorsal turrets are are really good right now. Okay. Yeah. 
play five of them and you can just, you know, um, but you know, if, if you like a certain ship, you, you should be able to fly it. Well, you can, cause like my shop doesn't run hyperspace stuff, uh, because like the, the group of X-Wing players we have, they're, they're pretty hardcore and, uh, they're opposed to not being able to run their, you know, their other stuff. So, you know, yeah. So anyway. So we, we haven't done that. All that being said, I kind of glossed over something my local store uh, posted about a hyperspace thing coming up uh, at the end of July. And I was like, blah, 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 whatever. And I go in the store and I buy my stuff and they ask me about it. I'm like, well, it's just a new tournament. I guess y'all, you guys are finally going to do the hyperspace rules. And they were like, no, um, this is uh, one of those big, huge regional tournaments my local store gets to host. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, so if you're in the southeast and going to a hyperspace tournament at the end of July in Mississippi, (laughs) send me a message. I'll be there. That's my local shop. They told them to expect about 100 players. And people to fly into this thing. I don't know, you know, how if that's true or not, but uh, I definitely am going to attend this thing, and we'll see. So I, I haven't heard about, you know, I was unfamiliar with this, and uh, apparently it's, it's a big deal. So and there you go. When is this? In July twenty seventh. Oh, okay. I, I want to say. So you know, apparently it's a big deal. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to Malifaux is have previewed their third edition books. And I kind of toss this on here because this is going to get pushed at my local shop. I like Malifaux, even though I've kind of, like I said, I've reached peak um, small-scale skirmish. But Malifaux is a cool little system. It works a lot like War Machine, and it doesn't use dice. It uses cards. But the different for third edition Malifaux, each faction is getting its own book. Instead, there was one book, and you just kind of just, you know, bought that. Everybody's stuff was in there like like War Machine does, but yeah. So, this is kind of interesting. It's going to have different lore and stuff, and uh, they expand their game. So, there you go. And I want to say we have... Oh, yeah. Last thing we have on here, I tossed this on here because um, USAopoly announced a Die Hard board game. And I just wanted to talk to you guys about what is Die Hard's role in your life? It's my favorite Christmas movie. I've seen it. I, yeah. I, so honestly, I. It runs across glass. I, I'll bet I've seen it at least a dozen times. See, I, I'm with Roy. I'm like, <laughs> I, I've seen it, and you know, it it kind of has this uh, this mystique, in kind of in American culture. If you guys watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, it's uh, what's his name's favorite movie. Um, a- Andy Samberg. It's his favorite movie, and so there's that. And they they've done multiple episodes about like Die Hard, you know, doing a Die Hard, and they go out to Los Angeles and they tour different set, you know. So all that to say, excuse me, 
I was just curious as to where you people were are worth yeah were it and uh, yeah. so interestingly enough though I mean I I love the movie I really have seen it at least a dozen times and this game is not not something that I would jump to buy. I mean, if once it comes out, if I hear that it's really good, I would consider it, but it's not like I'm going to jump and buy this game because it's a diehard game. So it does look interesting. I've never played a, a game like, uh, well, I guess Imperial Assault is, is a one versus many. I've played that, but one versus everyone else. It looks like that's what kind of game this is. I haven't really played many games like that. So yeah, it doesn't really say anything that much about the gameplay, does it? No, I think people are just going to buy it because it's diehard. I think you're right, you know, although, you know, people will review it for sure, you know, and maybe it's going to be, you know, kind of a diamond in the rough, like, you know, the Dune game. <laughs> yeah. You know, with that, it, it, you know, it was, it was a, um, what is the term, a licensed game. Yeah. And it turned out to be awesome, so. I do like uh, the cover. With yeah, the glass. That's true. Yeah, and I'm guessing they did not get uh, Bruce Willis's likeness, you know, in it. But we'll see. From what I hear, Bruce uh, is kind of a dick, so probably not. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard Kevin Smith say that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I like when he talks about working on BYT. Uh, BYT time. The we're working on BYT. What is that? Bruce Willis time. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> So, anyway, I guess that brings us to the end of the show. So, you know, we, we did a little show. A little there. You know, we got a um, uh, thing. Oh, yeah. Then the one thing we almost did forget is the Brave Little Belgium giveaway, which has been totally spread everywhere, and I get probably five to ten people emailing me a day about it. So... I'll draw for that um, probably next weekend. Probably next weekend. I'll uh, draw for that. So you can still send in your entry to uh, chanceofgaming at gmail.com. And it, what would be great is if you're like, you know what I really like about the show is this. And you just tell me that because, you know, because it has kind of gotten spread around. And, I, you know, <laughs> I'll respond to people like, oh, what's your... Um, part of the show and they're like it's a show yes yes it is that that helps your entry to uh tell me what you like about the show Imp impress me quote something from like episode you know seven or something <laughs> you know <laughs> uh and you know uh, and people have asked about like shipping or whatnot it's like i know like look shipping to the u.s will be free holland spiel's covering that past that uh, a guy mentioned email me today he was like look i live in canada and i know you said you know in the u.s blah blah, blah. He, he was like i'll pay to have it sent to me so okay we we could probably do that we, we yeah we can do that so it's free in the u.s wherever else you live buddy you you've got to pay for it you know so i'm just i just want to say <laughs> but all right I guess we're done, and we will see you next time. Good night, everyone. Hey, I just wanted to say that um, everybody <laughs> that's listening and you guys, that everybody that you meet in the course of a day is struggling with something. So just keep that in mind when you're talking to them and, and interacting with them.
And on that note, that I'll say true. good night, everybody. That, that is absolutely true. Even people you meet that are, like, really grumpy and angry or stuff like that, you don't really know what's going on in their life. That is true. Mm-hmm. That is very true. And it's something, as I get older, you know, I kind of have that wisdom to do to realize that instead of being like a kid and just being like, ah, oh, fuck this guy. You know, I can't believe, you know, he's acting like that. But... It's very true. Now, granted, some people are just dicks. That's true, but you know that's on them. It's not on you. You don't have to be one as well. So, yeah, you should go forth and you know, kindness does not cost you anything. So, Absolutely. just be good, be kind. So, good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>